Welcome to Your Brain On by Salience Learning. I'm Karen Foster. And I'm Krista Gerhard. So thanks for joining us again today. Um, we're excited to have you here. Um, it's been a very interesting past few months, I'm sure, for all of us here dealing with uh, working remotely and uh, kids in uh, virtual learning and gearing up for the fall. Um, Chris, I don't know about your kids, but mine certainly have been uh, bombarded uh, online with these uh, you know, kind of quizzes. How do you learn best? How can they, uh, uh, you know, are you a visual learner, auditory learner? I don't know if you've seen that as well. Definitely, of course, uh, seen a lot of the quizzes pop up these days, especially in the era of COVID where everybody's looking for professional development opportunities. Mm -hmm. It's a great time to see those quizzes come up, come up into our feeds. Yeah, no, it's definitely, it's definitely interesting. It's something I, as a, uh, with a penchant for cognitive psychology, get uh, interested in. What, what do you sort of think about the idea of, of learning styles? So, I, I mean, I think it's a, it's an interesting one. I know I've taken quizzes myself and, and I would say that it's, it's one to consider. It's one I've used a variety of learning styles myself throughout the years, um, mm -hmm. given the context of the situation. So whether I, I consider myself an auditory, kinesthetic, visual, I think I flex. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah. I think most people do. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think you hit the nail on the head in that, you know, we're all a little bit of all of them. Um, as much as we'd like to sort of gravitate to a quiz that defines us as something, you know, uh, you know, specific and definitive, uh, and kind of gives us a, a something we can hang our hat on. You know, what science has really found is that you know there's a variety of different frameworks for quote learning styles. Uh, but even more importantly, you know what what I hear in in the blogs and articles I read is is unfortunately this is sort of translated into a myth both in professional development and in educational circles where. You know, if a, if a trainer or a facilitator sort of delivers information to a learner in their preferred style, that they'll learn better. I mean, is that something that you've heard? Absolutely. I mean, you know, everybody's trying to make a connection with the learner. Mm -hmm. We're trying to tailor our delivery, our design to the needs of that learner. So this is an easy one to fall back on. What's yeah. their learning, their style, and how can I tailor what I'm delivering to their style or their, you know, their method of receiving and, and absorbing information? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. It's, it, that's not a bad thing to quote, like you said, fall back on. However, it's, uh, you know, it's surprising when I share with people often that it's really not scientifically proven um, in the sense that, you know, if I were to, so, so let's pretend, you know, we could all travel and we were go, you were going to go on a bird watching trip, right? Uh, so to prepare for that bird watching trip uh, and camping trip, uh, you'd have to do a few things, right? You want to be able to plan your hiking route. You want to be able to set up your tent and you want to be able to identify your most beloved bird call. Um, so those three tasks that you have to learn, right? The idea of designing learning to a learning style, right, would take the approach of, okay, so Krista's an auditory learner. She's been defined that maybe by a quiz. So I should take, I should deliver those three lessons around planning a hike, building a tent, or identifying a bird call all auditorily, right? Because by designing my delivery of information auditorily, I'm aligning it to Krista's preferred learning style. But unfortunately, what's really the case and what's been proven is that 
outcomes of learning interventions or training, doing that approach don't work any better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think it, 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 it's not intuitive. When you put that example out there, you, mm-hmm. you put context around what it really means right. to design learning for somebody's individual learning style. So I think that example is a great visual you know, analogy for me to, to connect back to. Sure. Well, and, and, and really in truth, what science tells us, we sh- the approach we should take in designing learning is to think of those three tasks of mapping a hike, building a tent, and, and learning the call of your favorite bird, and design the learning based upon the content, right, and the objective of that learning, right? So, you know, most of us would probably see the advantage of taking planning your hike, you would want to take a map out, you would want to have a visual, you would want to draw on a map, maybe a little bit of kinesthetic, but have that visual of the map, and maybe see pictures of uh, the trail signs, right? So you would be able to identify visually those trail signs. So that that hiking, planning the hike, could you'd use a lot of um, design, you know, visual design tactics, right? Making people do that. Then with the, the tent, though, you know, you still could show people, and we've all done it, right, the instructions for how to build a tent. I don't know about you, but whenever I've tried to build something just using instructions um, and looking at it, uh, the instructions, sometimes those images aren't 100% clear. I don't know if you've felt that way, too. Absolutely. How many, uh, you know, holiday gifts or birthday gifts for kids have we tried to assemble in those instructions? Sometimes part A just doesn't match with part B. But where the in- the thinking about how to teach someone how to build a tent, right? That would probably be more kinesthetic activity, right? Take out the tent parts, give them some direction, have them practice, give them some feedback as they're doing it. Um, And then finally, the last um, example, which is, you know, training or learning how to identify bird calls, right? Um, You know, reading about that or the sounds, you know, the reading sounds on a piece of paper of the the different birds bake would kind of sounds a little bit comical, right? Blah, you know, bleep, bleep, beep, 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 right? Versus beep, 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 right? So, but if we listen to that, we, we design the learning, you know, from an audit, auditory uh, design, you could imagine you'd turn on a recording and listen to the bird call over and over and over. And then when you go and you actually execute that, it's in an auditory format again as well. So I, I don't know, I'll pause there because, uh, you know, it's something that I hear a lot um, and again, it's, it's, a, it's a myth that was so pervasive that um, uh, there was a set of uh, uh, PhD researchers and neuroscientists that came out in 2007 in The Guardian, uh, uh, you know, declaring that there's no evidence to back the idea of designing to a learning style. So it can get me kind of fired up. I don't know what you think. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's the key takeaway here for me, Karen. It's not about that we don't have these learning styles. Mm -hmm. It's that we shouldn't be designing for them. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I think that's a great example of the the bird call. And you would never write it out on a piece of paper as if it was a musical (laughs) lyric and expect our learners to interpret it just because they all said that they learn best by reading, right? You would, you would design your learning mm-hmm. for, for how um, the content or the, the situation really, how it's related to it most. Um, so I think that for me is right there is, is the key takeaway, you know? Yeah. The idea of learning styles are very appealing. Um, I almost kind of would equate them to horoscopes, <laughs> but only in the sense that, look, we all know that 
each of us between each other are better at some things than others, right? And and ultimately, there may be a brain basis for these differences. But what research has really found is that, you know, by thinking about, you know, the purpose and objective of an instructional um, session or training session, thinking about, you know, the content and what's being, you know, delivered in that session and adapting that you know, based upon those two um, variables, as well as what we know about the brain in terms of memory, perception, attention, right, If from scientific research, right, is a better approach, right? So it's just kind of coming at it in, in a different way. Yeah, so I, I think one of the things that I've read and heard most often is that there's really no direct relationship that can be determined from, if I say, my learning style is auditory and I only use auditory, will my performance or my comprehension tests be any different than if I were to use a different learning style? I think there's a disconnect there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And 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 look, 60 to 65% of the brain is dedicated to visual processing. So, uh, you know, I hear most often people say to me, I'm a visual learner, I'm a visual learner, to which I, you know, jokingly reply, well, we all are. <laughs> like, I mean, unless people have, you know, some sort of uh, important, you know, disability or something where their visual field is is compromised. So um, that's just how our brain is wired. Um, and there's so much information that can come in visually. Um, so we, it's, it's a back and forth thing. I think for us at Salience, you know, it's, we want to take the most um, logical, right, and scientific approach to how we design learning, right? So we think about what is the performance objective? What is the goal and the outcome of what you want people to be able to do? Is it you want them to listen and hear something or you want them to, to take action and do something? Or do you want them to, you know, identify something visually, right? Um, and, and if you think of those three things, and then, you know, think of like the brain's ability to, uh, you know, absorb information, both auditorily or visually, and the, the glitches and brain bugs. You know, we've talked about cognitive bias on our blogs, um, that you can really misperceive things, you know, that actually have light rays that hit your retina. So, um, and you take that approach and thinking about how a design should, should come together, rather than saying, hey, in my learner audience, I have, you know, 80% auditory learners. So the majority of this uh, design should be me just talking to people. That That's the difference. Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, you, you've explained it nicely here in the sense that we all recognize that we know what learning styles are. We can identify with learning styles, but at the end of the day, our design shouldn't be based upon an individual's learning style and that we really need to think about the content and the situation to inform what the design should look like first and foremost. Yep, exactly. And I, again, this just, I totally encourage all of our listeners to go to the, uh, the Guardian's website. It was a March 12th, 2017 uh, publication and the individuals that signed it, let me just say some of their credentials, Chair of Neuroscience, Professor of Learning with Digital Technology, Professor of Developmental Neuropsychology, Emeteris Professor of Education. So highly regarded people that, you know, recognize that this myth is pretty pervasive. Um, and, you know, we can't dis, you know, discredit when, when pervasive myths aren't addressed, uh, as those of us that are learning and development professionals, you know, it, it can, can kind of discredit us, right? It can be seen as less than rigorous and scientific. So just encourage people to, you know, 
go out and, and you know, research for themselves uh, what sort of the, the top uh, thinkers in the field are, are you know, thinking about. So, Karen, you know, learning styles is a, it's a really interesting concept because it, to your point, it is a pervasive myth and one that gets talked about frequently. And as you know, we are in the state of COVID-19 and you have people online doing a lot of self-directed learning, taking these quizzes, trying to better themselves. Um, you have it coming up in conversation, especially with clients. And they're starting to sort of revisit things that they heard about in the past and now trying to think about how they're going to incorporate it in the future. So there's been more than one conversation that we've had recently that looks at trying to evaluate whether or not we incorporate these learning styles into how we design. If we were to talk to that client today after mm -hmm. having this conversation, how might we counsel them in a different direction? What's the right way to design? Is it using or is it talking about these myths further mm -hmm. or what type of recommendations would you have? Yeah, no, it's a great question and, and would go to even if stakeholders in somebody's organization were to say, well, I'm a visual learner or I think the first thing is just to recognize that, you know, we've all heard, you know, it, it makes sense, right? And that in the sense that um, don't be combative off the first, you know, don't jump down someone's throat and be like, that's completely wrong, you know? Um, but take a conservative approach and acknowledge how, you know, we, we all gravitate towards these um, uh, characteristics that distinguish us because we are all different, right? Everyone is a different person. Um, but maybe suggest how, you know, that's what a lot of people have felt or, or found. Um, but what research has found is that, you know, by designing a, a learning intervention or learning training to someone's specific learning style, there's no better outcomes, right? So it could lead to a lost business opportunity or it could lead to wasted time. Um, so again, I would say the approach is, you know, recognize that it's something common, that it's something very um, uh, pervasive in our scroll by scroll, you know, scrolling through world of, of quick quizzes and, and quick, you know, five-step solutions. And here's the three steps to solve all your problems. Um, so recognizing that and then saying, you know, but hey, let's, could I share some things that, you know, research has found, right, in the sense of, um, you know, if you uh, combine, you know, visuals and auditory appropriately in, say, an e-module or a virtual learning, you actually can get really robust uh, response and, and clinical research. So Ruth uh, Coven-Clark is a researcher who's done a lot of that. So, you know, come back with it as an opportunity to educate uh, stakeholders or, you know, our clients um, on the approach to take as one that's backed by, uh, you know, science and, and, and evidence, uh, you know. So what I'm hearing is being empathetic, but then also counseling uh, towards a direction where um, you exactly. want to truly educate on the science of learning. So if there were some areas that you would you know, recommend that the client were to look into to foster better design through the science of learning, what topics might you recommend? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, I, I, I would quote, you know, Ruth, Ruth Coven-Clark's research in the sense that, um, you know, there has been uh, evidence that looks at, you know, should you just have visuals? Uh, should you have just auditory? Or what is the right appropriate balance to have between those two? 
Um, and you know, the other best thing to do is to just get feedback through the design, you know, the iterative process of, you know, connecting with your stakeholders, involving the learners, you know, beta testing your approach, right? Hey, what do you guys think about this? Is this the right, um, you know, level of information or, and level of detail to go from. Thanks for listening to this episode of Your Brain On. Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Karen Foster. And I'm Krista Gerhard. We'll see you next time.